man on, but move him over to second base. Goes the other way. Did he get Deep it? Deep to right. Get going. Gone. How about that? A two-run bomb. Man on, but move him over. Thanks to Matt Shepard and Fox Sports Detroit for the call. Good afternoon. Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports. Ready to get things underway with podcast number 50. Well, after taking two out of three, the Tigers now uh, heading home for opening day 2020. And it's great to have uh, a Tom Gage on, the longtime Tigers beat writer from the news, who is on the pod. Tom, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well, Dennis. Nice, nice to be with you. Yeah, you sound good. You know, we're, we're taping this uh, on a Sunday. And, you know, the Tigers uh, against the Reds, the, the first three out of 60 here on Friday, very uh, I know, sad. Not not a whole lot to to take home from from that game. But these last two, ninth inning, two run home runs, uh, defense, uh, double play to end it in the ninth, and they take the series. So for uh, at least a first couple of days here, the Tigers uh, making it exciting, starting out this this bizarre twenty twenty season. Yeah, and they've overcome some of their shortcomings. You know, Dennis. I- I don't remember a time when they struck out 46 times in the first three games and still won two of the three. So, uh, you know, as uh, as Gardy said, it's uh, it's a meatloaf situation. Two out of three ain't bad. No, it's not. That's for sure. And you know what? You get a guy like C.J. Crone and uh, whatever, he ended up 4-11, two home runs, uh, a double there. And uh, Jacoby Jones was supposed to bunt on Saturday night. He can't get it down, and then he – he hits a two-run homer out, and that was pretty fantastic stuff. But, you know, Cabrera in there had the home run yesterday, and to set up before uh, Crone hit that homer in the ninth, he had a, what, a 10-11 pitch at bat. So you, you get some guys hitting around Miggy, and, you know, maybe that could do something for Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, and I like Crone. He covers the plate well. He's hit a home run to left, a bomb to left, and he's hit a home run to right. If he can go both ways, then uh, the Tigers are going to be happy with him. You know what, Tom? For me, it was a little eerie watching. I mean, I'm all these different rules and sixty games and everything else. I'm taking it all with a grain of salt. And we know the, you know, the Reds had a player that was playing on Friday who then they said was you know COVID nineteen, and then uh, Mustakas was a late scratch. Another guy was a scratch. So you know maybe there's three guys. So now. You know, the Tigers, uh, I don't know if they were already on high alert. Of course, everybody's going to be watching them. But, you know, it's just eerie was, for me, watching it on TV and just looking at the empty stands. When I went to the radio, uh, I, I didn't know it until actually Dan Dickerson said it, that they were back at Comerica Park. But just when you listen to the radio, it sounds so much more normal than when you're watching it. You know, you really, it's hard to get over just looking at a, you know, an empty stadium. Yeah, the only uh, I was listening to it in the car, and the only indication I had that Dan wasn't there was he was describing the day in uh, the, the day in Cincinnati, and he said like here in Detroit. So I I thought, whoa, he's not there. So um, it is strange. He did a nice job. Uh, it, it's it's uh, certainly uh, unique times. You know, even the official score at the home games can't be at the ballpark. He has to. He has to watch on TV and do his official scoring from uh, from home. Unless that's changed in the last week, that's how it's going to be. Well, tomorrow's opening day in Detroit, and I don't need to tell you. I mean, uh, almost 40 years, what at the Detroit News? 35 as a Tiger beat writer. So 
I was just looking at it before I, I called you, you know, from 79 to, to 2014. Uh, uh, how many Tiger opening days have you been to working as a fan? I mean, we're talking what, uh, you know, over 35, huh? Maybe. If you yeah. Caught. Well, I, yeah, I covered, I covered the Tigers for 37 years. And, uh, you know, I, uh, when you asked me to be on, I don't have instant recall of all the different opening days, but I began to look back at, through the years, and I do remember one year, 1982, because uh, opening day was was scheduled to be against Toronto, and it was snowed out the first three times. So the Tigers uh, ended up having to open up in Kansas City because they're not only the first day was snowed out, the entire opening series, and we were traveling with the team at back then, and we were on our way to Kansas City, and then when we came out, came down through the clouds. Uh, uh, just under the the, uh, the cloud level, it, was, it began to snow in Kansas City, and the whole team the whole team groaned. So, uh, uh, and there was another year in which uh, uh, Dennis said the Tigers uh, beat Oakland. Uh, they had opened on the road, I think, in Oakland and California, but they came home and beat Oakland twenty to four. They led sixteen to nothing by the fourth inning. So there've been some good times and some bad times. You know, it's funny, you you mentioned that 82 snow out game. I seem to remember, as soon as you were talking about a picture of the Detroit News who had a picture of the dugout, maybe with like three inches of snow on it. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the one. I, You know, the... Yeah, the, yeah, they didn't even start the games. I remember, I remember uh, it was on getaway day, which was, would have been the third day. I remember taking my suitcase into the ballpark and uh, uh, not, you know, they, they didn't even... They didn't even hesitate to postpone that one. Yeah, Tom, you know, when they say opening day, a lot of it, like, you could talk to the fans and they know what it's about. It's, you know, going down there sometimes, uh, you know, f- maybe even the night before and start tailgating before the sun comes up and, you know, tailgating like it's a football game and, and it's usually cold, but sometimes you do have a little a hint of sunlight or you certainly have a feeling that, hey, we're ready to put – winter behind us it's, it's like that uh, unofficial day of uh, the first day of summer going down there all through the years you know i used to hear about it like oh you got to go opening day and i'm like i get it you know going down there and drinking and tailgating that sounds a lot of fun but it, it's cold and the ticket was really hard to come by but i did start going down there and all the people are right it, it's really it's got like a you know a magical vibe the people are standing out there and you know, 50 degrees in the sun on an opening day feels like, um, you know, of 72 on the, the beach in San Diego. Have you have you ever been able to get out there and, and, and feel some of that opening day excitement? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, through the years, there have been, been warm ones and cold ones. And I think you probably remember this one. 2000, the first game ever played at Comerica Park. 36 degrees in Drizzly. They yeah. probably shouldn't have played the game. But uh, as I recall, the Tigers won it. I, I think it was against the Mariners. I I kind of remember it too, like a, a light snow, maybe even. Oh, uh, it was a mis- it was a miserable day. Yeah, Tom. How about where, didn't they? You know, they used to give the schedules out. There's a few times where some things happened during the game where you'd always get a couple. You know, I used to say Canadian fans. You know, running out on the field. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, throwing schedules. The you know the magnet schedules out on the field. Uh, that might have been back in the Tiger Stadium days, though. I also remember one time, and I know uh, uh, watching the first game this year. I know Jack mentioned it uh, on the uh, Jack Morris mentioned it on the broadcast because he remembers it full well. He gave up a, 
home run on the first pitch of the season. It was uh, Dwight Evans of Boston, 1986, and uh, Jack gave up four home runs in that game and won the game. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's, that doesn't happen very often. I do remember Dimitri Young hitting three home runs a couple years ago. That was a really exciting day on opening day. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Well, that was more than a couple of years ago now, but it was three. Yeah, it was three, it was three home runs on, in one day, and uh, it was a great achievement for him. Yeah, Tom. When you look back, uh, if you you start out, it was it seventy nine? So you're really coming up with that that eighty four team, and then you're you're along with the you know the bless you boys eighties, and then you really sort of have to wait till oh six before things really picked up again, and it was like. You know, nine years, maybe ten years, where I don't know if baseball, the excitement or the love of the Tigers has ever been bigger, you know, from that 06 to like, you know, 14 span just a few years ago, actually, there. Well, yeah, that, it was a great time, the Leland years, uh, as I call them. And, uh, and they were, you know, they were contenders every year. And they were, you know, they were a good team in the 80s with 84. And then after that, they, they competed several times. But boy, I tell you, uh, in 2002 and three, not only were they bad the entire year, but they had a, you know, you talk about opening day, they had a hard time getting to their first victory those years. Well, you know, there, maybe there is a, there's some similarity here to the 2003 to last year, you know, 114 losses last year. I mean, that, that goes down, like, right there with the 2003. And I don't know, like, if Mike Illich was alive, I kept saying this a couple of weeks ago, I was saying, I think Casey Mize would have been on the opening in, in the opening day lineup. But I don't know, Mike Illich seemed to have that, like, uh, uh, he had a lot of fan in him. And I don't know if he would have had the, uh, the patience that, that maybe his son – is showing here. Yeah, that's a good point, Dennis. He did have a lot of fan in him. He liked he liked big names and he liked future names. So I think he would have been very curious to see my pitch. Yeah, well, I sure am. And you know what, Tom? The 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 baseball Hall of Fame. I don't know if you know this, as it would have it here today on the Sunday, the twenty sixth. Today would have been the Hall inductions this year. And, you know, you are in that baseball Hall of Fame writer's wing. And, you know, I was looking at the year. Was it 2015 when you got the Spink Award for writers? And was Dick Enberg also like a, a Michigan native? He was up for the uh, the broadcasting, the Ford Fick uh, wing for, for uh, on that induction ceremony. Uh, do I have that timeline right? Yes, it was 2015. And uh, Enberg was my colleague uh, on the stage at the same time. And uh, my colleague in the parade, you know, uh, they have they have a parade for the Hall of Famers and for the award winners, and I kept saying that that I was you know people would look at me and say who uh, that I'm on the who the heck is that float, but my my saving grace was Enberg. They were able to wait. They were able to identify Enberg. Well, what a great year that must have been. You know, it was a great year. Uh, I remember watching it all, you know, back here. They did a good job back here in Detroit, all the TV stations and everything else. The news had great write-ups. And uh, you must still go back and, and look back to, to 2015 and pinch yourself a lot. Well, I do. It was, uh, it was certainly the highlight of my professional career. And I know we've lost Enberg since, but what a great gentleman he was. Yeah, I'll give him an oh my right here. Uh, I did love oh him. Oh my, yeah. you bet. I loved watching him. He did a few games uh, when he came back after he was done with the Padres for for FSD. It was it was great watching him on the call. That was just a few years ago. That was fun. Oh, well, he you know he was such a versatile uh, 
broadcaster. He could do so much, and uh, certainly baseball was one of his strengths and one of his loves. Hey, you know, speaking of the Hall, I was looking and thinking about the active players that, you know, I would consider to be locks for the Hall of Fame, and one is currently on the Tigers, and and it drew that big walk in the the ninth inning on Sunday and had a home run on Saturday. That's Miguel Cabrera. But two others, when we're looking back to those Leland years, that 2013 team, uh, people say it a lot, you know, the one, uh, how could a team with, you know, JV, Justin Verlander, and, and Max Scherzer, uh, I think those guys are locks to the Hall of Fame. And then, you know, hear the news today about Justin Verlander with an elbow injury that looks like it could cost him the season. Although just a few minutes ago, he did tweet out that, uh, he's, you know, would fight to come back. But at 37 years old, man, wow, that's uh, that's some kind of news uh, about JV. Well, not only that, Dennis, you know, it comes on the, on the heels of a, of a groin uh, problem. And so there are certain uh, little ailments and, and mishaps are beginning to pile up on Justin. So, uh, you know, he, I think he's not a, you know, he, he's not quite as uh, immune to uh, to uh, the bumps and bruises of the game as, as maybe he once was. And I, I think he probably, you know, has the credentials to get in now because, because he's been so vivid and, you know, he's been such a TV uh, individual as far as postseason and, and uh, you know, in, in the age of ESPN, I think uh, the video impression has, has a lot to uh, say about who gets in now. Yeah, I was kind of thinking uh, with the Tigers, I mean, he was on his way. It always felt like that. But then winning the World Series and then coming back at 36 years old last year and winning the Cy Young, that that seemed like it cemented him uh, to me. When you wrote your books, you've written three since you've just recently retired here, one about Trammell and another about Mickey Lolich and, and the Big 50. When you got Mickey, J.V., Scherzer, what, what, was the, what was the top? Was the top moment the 68 Tigers? What was it? Yeah, uh, well, the top the top moment in in my book about the top fifty was uh, Gibson's uh, home run in '84. You know, I think that again we talk about we we talk about TV moments that that are pressed upon our minds, and I think we all all who grew up with the Tigers and have worked with the Tigers and covered them and and hope the best for them over the years that's imprinted on our minds. I think we will always be able to see that the way that Kurt Gibson reacted to that home run. Well, Tom, I actually just turned the big 5-0 this year. So you know, that particular season when I'm a freshman in high school and uh, the audio, it's amazing that they don't have more of the audio uh, back there in those dugouts, but certainly the one where Sparky's telling him about Goose and he didn't want to walk yeah. him. I mean, that's fresh yeah, in everybody's mind. he don't want to walk you. He don't want to walk you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that is. It, it, was, it was a great moment, and uh, – you know, it was, uh, it, 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 you know, when Sparky saw that ball flying out to right field, I mean, he, he, you know, he and his gum, chewing gum parted ways, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a great moment, no doubt about that. Yeah, but, it was. Yeah. Tom, what do you think overall about a 60-game season with all these different rule changes and everything else? Uh, who knows if we're going to get it all in? Uh, what were your thoughts heading into to Friday just about this whole thing in, in Major League Baseball during a pandemic trying to – you know, play a 60-game season that starts at the end of July. Well, Dennis, I don't – I mean, I, I can't say that I like it, but, I, I you know, uh, we have to live with it. it and I really appreciate uh, – I really appreciate baseball's efforts that have it not be just a, you know, a blank season. 
you know, I think the sport is, the game is trying hard to, to come up with something. And, uh, you know, this is what they, this is, this is a hand that's been dealt to them. And, uh, you know, Chris McCoskey said something the other day, Hey, it, it, it's, it's going to be a one of a kind season, but that doesn't mean it can't be fun. And so I think it's up to the individuals themselves. I mean, you know, it's, we can't pretend it's going to be a normal season, but enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. And I think I'll probably be biased a little bit because I just watched two kind of thrilling games from the Tigers to come back. I, I wouldn't have been talking like this on Saturday morning to you, like, cause it, it looked like Matthew Boyd who slider was so good last year. He, he didn't have control of it. And, you know, the Tigers played a sloppy game, but you know, taking the three games in totality here, I'm, I'm kind of surprised just at the level of play. I mean, it, it, they they ramped up pretty quick, and it was some entertaining baseball. And you know, these guys were on their feet for over three hours. I don't know how much they were doing that in their you know summer conditioning or whatever. But you know, listening to it and then watching a little bit, I mean, it seemed like Major League Baseball. Well, not only that, you know, Dennis, you're probably pretty typical of, of a Detroit of a Detroit fan. You know, they it, it's been a it's certainly been a uh, a dry well for, for several years now. And I think that the, the, the people who want the Tigers to win are ready to be encouraged by almost anything. And, and here we are encouraged by three games, but you know, that's the way it goes. Baseball is, uh, you know, comes in fits and starts and you can, you can get down and up, uh, in, in a matter of the beginning and the end of a week. And by the end of, by the end of next week, you know, you might feel entirely different, but, uh, I think that's one of the great joys of the game. There's not much that has to take place to to uh, cheer you up. And now I'm doing a lot of like recalibrating, like one game's worth almost three. And so if you get a a series win, it you know maybe that's like you know winning you know three series. I, I don't know. It's it's almost if you you know you you take the sixty games into one sixty two. So you know it, it does seem meaningful that they got the the two out of three. Tom, I wanted to ask you. I I saw something uh, recently on Facebook, and you know the over the summer, in addition to the economic. Uh, issues and uh, the pandemic. We've had the the movement with, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter. And as you know, we've seen like statues come down and there's been some debate about the the, the Ty Cobb statue. And I wanted to ask you, because I, I thought that Ernie Harwell said late in his life that Cobb may have been a different guy, that he may have evolved in terms of how he saw blacks. I don't know. But the thing that I saw on Facebook was about this Hamtramck field that I wasn't familiar with that they're preserving this year and putting money into it because the Detroit stars played there, the Negro league uh, team with Turkey Stearns and all that. And the guy that was on Facebook was saying that Cobb late in his life was going over the field to, I don't know if he was going over there to watch the games or what he was doing, but those were two, two uh, things that I'm not a hundred percent about. Uh, I know there's been some books, the movies don't make uh, Cobb look very good or anything, but are there anything that you remember about Cobb uh, late in his life, you know, turning well, things you know, right around or whatever? I didn't know uh, Ty Cobb, but I knew people who knew him and they do say that he, a, that he moved, he used his money for philanthropic purposes late in his life. Uh, he was from Ralston, Georgia, and he and he built that city, a hospital down there, and that he was anything but the way he's been portrayed, you know, in in the worst of in the worst of the portrayals, and that he was a much better person. I can't say that he was because, uh, again, I didn't know him, but uh, 
I do know people who stand up for him and say he was a better person than that. Yeah, I know there's some movies. Are there? And I know here you've written three books. It's like I want you to go out there and write a Ty Cobb book. Is there anybody that you know of that has a good uh, book on Cobb or is his life, his time of the Tigers, all the years in the majors, anything like that? Well, there was one written in the last five years. I can't remember the name of the guy, Charles. Uh, uh, I don't remember the name of it, Dennis, but okay. it was. It, I read it, and it was. It's really a good book because it was written by a, a writer who did who did great research on Cobb, and uh, he, I think he went in thinking he was going to find, uh, you know, the devil and found an angel. Hmm. You know, it, I was watching the last game at Tiger Stadium during this this pandemic, and, you know, George Cal was back on the broadcast, and he was relaying a story that he had uh, he had taken his Cobb's son, I think, who had never been to, to Tiger Stadium and took him out in the outfield, and uh, it brought him to tears where he had him out there. It was a good story there. By George Kell. So I, I don't know, you know, there was just something that people had brought up and, you know, I, I heard some different stories about that. And I, so I mentioned those three books, you know, you're, you keep an awful busy. You, you done there. Are you enjoying that? Or you got another one you're thinking about? Well, I, I, you know, I think Lou Whitaker is a book and I've, and I pitched it to him, but he didn't want to do it. And I, that's not really surprising to me. Uh, Dennis said Lou doesn't want a book written about him because he never wanted the attention anyway. And uh, I thought that before the committee voted in December and, and, and he didn't make the final list, I thought that uh, he was a great book material uh, for, for the way he, you know, for what his career has been. And I still think it's been a, certainly a great career, but Lou's not interested in being the, uh, having that special attention right now. I'll tell you what, Tom, and I think his opinion could change if he can get this last chapter actually lived out, which would be getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame and then getting an, another statue out there at Comerica with him and Tram. I think everybody expects that at some point, just kind of waiting to unlock it all. I know the Tigers got, you know, the number out there, which was nice. And, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, he's he's uh, pegged for the Hall of Fame one of these days. And, you know, maybe once he completes those two things, maybe then he'll be ready. That could be. And, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, another book that I've been thinking about recently. And I know uh, I know Jim Jim Leland doesn't want a book written about him. But I do think the years that he was the manager of the of the Tigers uh, were special years. I mean, a couple weren't so good, but many of them were uh, many of them were great. And I, I think it was a special time in in the history of the Tigers. And I think there's probably book material there as well. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I just think about some of those years, uh, some of those series against the uh, the Yankees that the Tigers won, the the two against the A's, uh, the the Red Sox, and then you know, ironically, and what we all know is, I think the the World Series are the ones that uh, you know would be the two that wouldn't be uh, as interesting as all the other ones. Well, not only that, but his players loved him, Dennis, as you know, and he, you know, when you have when you have talkative people that want to help you out. Uh, uh, with the spoken word and, and want to say something about the subject you're writing about, it certainly helps. And, uh, you know, he, his players uh, thought highly of him, just as Sparky's players thought highly of, of, of him. And, uh, you know, those, I, those two eras are certainly special in Tiger history. Well, you know what? That might be the last thing I'd ask you. You know, uh, Jim, I heard him talking a little bit about the 60-game season. He was talking about the really watching the pitchers close, and, you know, that would be something that he would do. 
I wonder what uh, you think Sparky would say about a 60-game season because he always people are always talking Sparky about a 40-game season or Sparky said, you know, it's 60 games here and 60 games there. It's what you're doing in the other, you know, 40 or whatever. So what do you think Sparky would say about 60 games? I would think that he wouldn't like it at all, just like he didn't like replacement players in 1996. But it probably would make a difference, Dennis, at what point in his career he was at. If he was just starting out and uh, scrapping just to, to make ends meet, and he, if he was a young manager, I, he probably would just say, hey, it's you know, it's a hand that's been dealt to us. At the end of his career, he, he I don't think he would have liked it at all. Well, I was thinking about him a little bit this weekend, of course, because the Tigers were playing Cincinnati and, you know, the manager that won there and then won here. Well, Tom, uh, I appreciate your time. Opening day, uh, you know, it's going to be a strange one here, 2020, strange season. But, uh, you know, maybe Tiger fans can just get, you know, a a quarter of the uh, entertainment or excitement that they would have in other years. And uh, we'll take that right now. Well, not only that, I think that when 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 opening day, you know, I've I've heard that at different opening days, it's people gather around the ballpark anyway, and I think there will be Tiger fans around the ballpark anyway, and I think we'll get kind of we'll at least feel a pulse of the opening day, and if we can't have the whole thing, if we can just feel a, a, the pulse of what a special day it is, I that 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 might have to be enough for now. Well. We know the weather's going to be warm. That's one thing for sure. So hopefully, that- yeah, it won't. Yeah, it won't be thirty-six in Drizzly like it was in two thousand. You got that right. Well, hey Tom, I appreciate your time here on a on an opening day week, and uh, I know a lot of people uh, love hearing your voice and uh, loved reading you all those years. So all the best to you and and uh, and keep up the good work. Thanks for your time again. Thank you, Dennis. I've enjoyed it. I did, too. So long, time. We'll talk to you soon. Maybe see you one day. All right. Tom Gage, the Hall of Famer, joining us here on the pod. Well, I don't need to yell there, but a little fired up at the end. You know, opening day, I was telling Tom about my experience with opening day, and it was just growing up. I mean, you're in school, so my parents were not the kind of parents that were taking me out of school and, hey, let's go down to the ball game. So that was never happening. And then in high school, you know, you looked at it, and believe it or not, I wasn't much of a, you know, skip school kind of guy. This senior year, I may have, to, you know, taken a couple of days off, you know, here and there. So then I'm getting to college, and it's like, all right, man, uh, you know, opening day is what it's all about. It's great. And, and I just kept thinking, like, you know what? Can I go get uh, a six-pack of beer and, and some hot dogs for, like, uh, 10 or $15 here? 10 or $15, that's going to be what it costs to, you know, park. And then we're starting to talk about whatever. Even back in the day, you know, three, $4 beers, three, $4 hot dogs. And then how are you getting home? Like you got to arrange a lot. You got to really go through all of that. And then it, it usually is really cold on opening day. And forget about trying to get a ticket. And, you know, five times as much. And a lot of the thought was, and I did do this a few times, like, let's go the next day. You go the next day, instead of, you know, 30,000 or whatever it is, 35,000 at the ballpark, you go the next day, there's like 5,000 people there, and you can get tickets for five bucks, you know, and it's like, hey, we're real baseball fans. We didn't have to go to opening day. So I used to think that was like how I thought about it. Maybe that was just, you know, I probably didn't have the money. I didn't. Whatever. But then I did go. 
I went to my first one. I went with some friends, and we went down there real early, 6 or 7 o'clock, and we stopped at somebody's tailgate who had been doing that for years. And you know what? It was uh, it, it was magic. Magic like, you know, here are people making this uh, all of this effort to go down. Half of the people weren't going into the game, but it was like just celebrating winter being behind us and uh, talking about baseball, tailgating. And then, you know, you go over to one of the bars there that, you know, just have these gigantic tents and people are just jam packed in there and you go in and you just look around and everybody's got tiger stuff on and everybody's in a good mood. And, you know, everybody's just, uh, whether they're talking baseball or just hanging out and, you know, thinking about uh, the upcoming spring, you know, the part about it, you know, ushering in spring and feeling like it's the, the, the unofficial first day of spring and that you're putting the, you know, the cold, hard winter behind you. That's a big thing. That's a big part of it. But on that particular day, I can remember busting out of the back. I'm not busting out, just walking out back of the where the tent was. And it was probably 50 degrees and sunny. And that's where we were having our, our hot dogs. And, you know, my, my friend's dad came over and got us the hot dogs and we're talking baseball. And I was like, all right, I get it. I love it. And, you know, after that, if I wasn't working – if I could get down there, uh, I, I did that. So, I, you know, I've probably been to, you know, four or five, and it really is. I mean, if you, if you can take the entire day off, if you can arrange the driving, if you can get your friends to do the same, and then, uh, well, then you'll have a great time. So there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, it's still, it's, it's, uh, it is fun. All right, well, that's going to do it here. Ooh, it's not the music. Where's it at? All right, that is going to do Oh, here it is. I don't play crickets. Hopefully not crickets. That'll do it. Thanks for listening. More podcasts this week. And I'll talk at you then. Thanks to the great Tom Gage, the Hall of Famer. Bye.